It's Bob Williams, and it is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. This is the Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Jim Gerhardt's here, as always. And, Jim, we're recording this a little bit early this week. I think a day early. Uh, this is, we're talking, actually, it's a different part of a day, too. So, uh, interesting process here we're doing. And this will this will premiere on Facebook on Thursday. So, yep. if you're seeing Facebook, we know it's Thursday. When you're seeing it, we know it's not now. So, anyway, be with us. Yep. And we tried to do it as late as we can. We have some uh, scheduling issues, so we couldn't do it actually live. Yeah. So I guess, like the Olympics, this is called plausibly live, right? So yeah. it's a couple of hours in advance. So uh, the reason we uh, we waited until uh, this moment to tape is because of the uh, the different the the uh, new news uh, throughout the, the state regarding the the uh, problems in Pennsylvania regarding the uh, the governor in Pennsylvania. Their uh, rulings have been overruled by the um, by the feds. As far as uh, all of the restrictions that were put in, boy, are 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 we? Did we not make it as predictors? I'm not going to wait to have my pundit badge taken away. I, I'm going to have a license. I'm going to turn it in. We yeah. sat here uh, the day, uh, which was what yesterday, the day before, the Pennsylvania state in Pennsylvania, a U.S. federal court judge ruled that many of the restrictions imposed arbitrarily by the dictatorial whims of the governor. Does that sound familiar? This was in Pennsylvania this time. And as he said, that even in crisis, governor's power is not unfettered. And so he opened up many of these restrictions. Now, since this was a federal court, a federal judge, and he said that the it's unconstitutional, we leapt to the conclusion that this meant this is it. Right. And this was against the, the country. Yeah, right. Yeah. This, this was against the background of a story that I'd seen earlier that said that the governor of New Jersey, Governor Murphy, is the most powerful governor in the country right now because New Jersey starts with uh, some extra uh, powers, uh, emergency powers and the like that other states, the governors may not have. But they said that and the fact that it's an overwhelmingly blue state. He has both houses of the legislature. He can do anything he wants. So I say to myself, aha, you know, <laughs> look at this. There goes there goes your dictatorship. Uh, but then what happened was, uh, and we thought that that's going to be a huge story. That'll be the story. We put off a day doing this because we were waiting for a response in New Jersey. We're waiting for the governor to come out and do a mea culpa and eat crow. Right. But he didn't. He ate, uh, what, Coquille Saint-Jacques? Parisian, right, with sauce. Uh, uh, he, he, Eve Wellington, he ate high on the hog in spite yeah. of it. Our, so, uh, yeah, our David Matthau just attended the governor's Wednesday press conference, and basically, to paraphrase, um, governor said, while he is very much aware of the uh, the uh, the ruling in Western Pennsylvania about uh, about. Uh, the uh, rulings of the executive orders being overturned in Pennsylvania. He is not concerned and he is very confident that the executive orders that were in place here in New Jersey have great efficacy and viability and they will not be overturned. He says there are already two dozen challenges to the executive orders here in New Jersey and all of those challenges have been overturned by the courts. So he says he's sticking with it and he is uh, very confident that they'll be upheld and withstanding any future challenges. 
Well, I've, I've got to congratulate him. His statement, as opposed to the governor of, of, of Pennsylvania, who went just almost spastic with condemnation of the judge, of the court, and naturally the president. He even got around after saying, basic argument was that since this judge had been appointed by Donald Trump, that his decisions are invalid. Now, that's a new legal principle that the Democrats have come up with. Any law or any ruling by a court, by a judge or a court that was appointed by Donald, Donald Trump is invalid. Now, and, and now, Jim, and any federal judge, from what I understand and from what I've been hearing from other people, that uh, they would be completely insulted and, and, and furious with, with, with a statement like that because these guys and, and, and women... They are there to uphold the law. They are not there at the pleasure of whoever appointed them, whether it was a Republican, Democrat, or what have you. Those guys are there, and they've, they've studied, and they've worked hard to get to that level of, uh, of, of uh, being a judge. And well, the, that, that, again, you, you get not, and, and uh, you'd have to see the statement in response by the governor of Pennsylvania. And it was it was just frantic, spastic, as I said. And he's ranting and raving about Donald Trump and he's kind of the racist, naturally, the sexist, the everythingist. Uh, he just he just went off, went overboard about it. But uh, anyway, the upshot of it is they are uh, trying to seek a what a a uh, what deferred enforcement, if ever. I mean, so if. Will never happen. But, but, but essentially, it's these governors who have that power. They are not going to give it up. They they won't give it up. And so uh, nothing nothing has changed in Pennsylvania as far as the restrictions being lifted. They're still in place. The uh, mm -hmm. the limits on people in public places, restaurants, and what have you. So to to your point, nothing has changed. But, but again, what we'd hope would happen is that they would somehow they would come up and adopt uh, ultimately the Swedish. Mm, uh, way that they've handled the situation, which seems to have been uh, certainly with the fewest cases, the fewest harm, the, the uh, least damage to the economy. But uh, now here we are right back where we started. I, I think this uh, the, this business of, of, uh, of the governors and their almost dictatorial powers, uh, I wanted to see them reined in because who knows where it'll stop. We got other things going on now. Judy had written a piece that was on the website today about an edict by the governor now that is going to say that anybody, any worker who contracted the COVID virus at work has to get workman's compensation and an extra extra money because of that. Well, that's money and it's not paid out of the fund that the state set aside for that kind of thing. This is the employer who pays into that fund. And so this is going to hit the businesses again. And, and of course, to me, the Super Bowl, the World Series, uh, Stanley Cup of, uh, of politics, uh, the Super Bowl of dumbass, really, to me, is this baby bonus business. Oh, it's crazy. Later, I'm going to hold on for a little Jeremiah out on that. I, I can't okay. hold up. But anyway, the point is that we misread that one. And I think maybe a lot of people did because it looked at me as a very hopeful sign. And of course, we are right back where we started. Speaking of Pennsylvania, did you see that story? Now we're on the verge of having almost total mail-in voting this time. Mm. And in Pennsylvania, they have an officially now, this is not something that some politician came up with, but this is officially by the election commission. There were 40,000 votes in the primary in Pennsylvania that did not get counted. Wow. 
There was a story this morning, I don't have any details, but the story this morning was in New Jersey, in one district in New Jersey, in the June primary, the last the primary election, there was a, a great number, not that many votes, but a very large number of votes for one district got lost and weren't counted, and they just found them. And so what this is leading to now, the election that is coming up, somebody step on a cat down there. <laughs> I, oh, the cat just walked behind okay. you. <laughs> but, but <what> it, <laughs> I don't know if you could hear that screech. I, I, I think I rocked back on a cat's tail. <laughs> All right, cat, you can rock back on mine. So that, you know, uh, but uh, the what is coming to is after this election, everything is going to be bogged down. And I don't know how long they can legally keep this going. We may not get a new president uh, inaugurated and for a, for months. Yeah. And that is because everybody will be claiming the other party cheated. I mean, who, the, the loser is going to tie everything up in a claim that, and there no doubt will be enough cases of actual fraud, because it's inevitable, anything this large, that they can keep this held up. Look at the uh, the election in, uh, what is it, uh, 2000, the old dangling Chad bit in Florida and how long that got held up. Eventually, they got a Supreme Court decision on that. See, that's another, I think my, my biggest trepidation about this uh, presidential election campaign is maybe sort of secondary to what you see in the uh, the political ads and the political arguing and the like. My problem is not so much as who gets elected because of the personality of the person at the top of the ticket and their party. It's the fact that what will the winner's party and the winner do with the Supreme Court appointments, two of which are going to come up during the reign of the next president. Right. And if the Democrats come into power, they will get to appoint them. If the Republicans stay in power, they will get, the president will get to appoint the new member of the Supreme Court with the consent of the Senate. Now, the Senate, of course, is Republican right now. And if it should stay so, that would be, that would tilt the Supreme Court back into a, an, uh, a, a uh, what pure constitutional niche that we're going to do our job and we're going to interpret the Constitution, we're not going to change it. If the Democrats win, get to appoint the two, they get a very liberal majority. And we know that they're going to do everything in their power to monkey with the Constitution and change it. Uh, They're not going to come in one day and cancel it. It'll be nibbled and then gobbled and then bigger and bigger bites. And they will suck the life out of the Constitution. As the First Amendment, as we know, is about God. And they will do nothing to restoring that because they seem to to like the turmoil that this has caused. Uh, And uh, the Second Amendment, you know that they're going to come down on that with all fours. And on and on we go. So I have great trepidation about that. But I noticed the the, uh, I I, I can't watch the political campaigns. I saw a spot. Uh, It it looks to me like from the from from what you're seeing, the ads and all, you got the Democratic candidate, Mr. Biden. Who was coming on like a B actor who was picked from central casting to play president, a B actor from the 50s or the, or the 40s. You get the Republican candidate who, to me, is coming on like the resuscitated Red Skelton, if you remember him. And he's doing that kind of a bit. Uh, but I, I, the, the Biden thing, one thing I got to laugh out of this 
on the very day, this would have been a week before last, I believe, the stock market hit a new high. This was big news, the highest jump in one day history. The market is booming. The economy is booming. He comes on and he's damning Donald Trump for destroying the economy. <laughs> I said, dude, you picked a bad day. <laughs> and, and then I saw one where he gets into some kind of bit. He's going to save us from every conceivable peril and threat that there is and, and give everybody all kind of free stuff. And then at the end of it, he, he mugs. And whoever made the spot must have been a Republican <laughs> because he, he comes on with this thing at the end of the spot. And he says, I approve this spot. And he does, you know, something like that. He hopefully <laughs> bursting with gravitas. So, I mean, the whole thing is, is, is a farce. Is oh, speak, speaking of that, you, you had you mentioned to me about in your polling place. Oh, we're talking. I, I, I am so disappointed and, and quite angry uh, because here in New Jersey, obviously, the majority, it's going to be all mail-in voting, absentee balloting. But every I was under the impression, and I and I think everybody can agree that they heard from there that there was going to be one polling place available in in each town, at least one polling place. I know oh. the government said that one polling place would be open in each town. Yeah, or they're in person. But now I find out here in my town that there's going to be two polling places, but no voting machines. So basically, these polling locations are nothing more than a you know, a, a glorified drop-off point. So, so I mean, somebody, you go up to the pole and a door, a slot in the door opens and somebody holds a derby hat out there yeah, and you drop. <laughs> if you feel more secure dropping that off as opposed to mailing it in, it's it's just very dis disappointing. And, you know, this mail-in balloting, Jim, you know, this, you know, you could, anybody, Republican, Democrat, whatever, you, you're going to be profiled uh, through these ballots. They're going to know more about you than you want them to know. Or that they should have the legal right, in my opinion, to know. I mean, you go in, traditionally up until this point, you cast your ballot in a voting machine, a secure and anonymous vote. And it, and it gets tallied. And that's the way it should yeah. be. And, and this gets, well, I don't want my name on my stinking ballot. I don't want that. This could come back to really bite people. I know this is far-fetched and it sounds science fiction-y. But it could come back to bite people. And we know that uh, people who do politically incorrect things get bullied and they can lose jobs, they can suffer. But if suppose you get a rabidly wild left progressive uh, administration in your town or your county or whatever, right. they could very easily lose this to harass you, the people who voted for the the other candidate, other than these people who are ruling your town right now, right. you could be slow getting services. I, I, I'm not accusing anybody of doing it now, but it's within the realm of possibility right. that you could be something of a second class citizen in that town because of the way you voted. And they'll know how you voted. Right. That's the problem. There's a real, real problem uh, from the local level all the way up to the national. Oh, and, and you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of uh, races. I just looked this up and, and lost in all of the other headlines is that fact that Cory Booker is up for re-election in November. Well, had to happen sooner or later. <laughs> it's like the asteroid hitting the Earth. I, haven't, I mean, maybe I'm not in tune to that. But I, have not, I have not seen much publicity or news about him running. He, he's got a, um, you know, a, a pretty good contender. His uh, last name is Meta. And he's uh, 
you know, he's had some good attack ads and things like that. But there hasn't been much uh, coverage either way on that Senate race, which pretty much means that he's probably just going to squeak back in without much, you know. Oh, of course he will. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's, he's, he's a shoe. And I don't know why they're bothering him spending money on an election. Yeah, speaking of elections, it, it's something occurred to me. And uh, again, you brought this up. It was a New Jersey senatorial election, a past one. Sort of proves what I, I think is the case. And this was, we're talking about the national election and, and all. I think elections in this country, if you look back, are won on positive visions. Morning in America, you know, everything is two chickens in every pot in this business. Positive promises rather than negative and attack rhetoric, which is tempting, but it's not, it's not really something that the American public buys. Now, I had heard or read that somebody in the Trump campaign is changing his approach from the usual stuff dumping on, you know, everybody he is not terribly fond of <laughs> in a vitriolic fashion at times to concentrating totally on the economy, the economy and what the benefits of this economy that he has feels that he's created does. That, to me, is very wise. Forget the other stuff. Now, here's, here's an example of what I'm talking about. You go back to the last re-election campaign of Senator Menendez, Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey. He is our other senator. I've really forgotten about both of them in, in the crush of all this. He was running against Tom Kane, Jr., a Republican, one of the top Republicans for the United States Senate. This would have been, what, four, five, whatever years ago it was. The Republican campaign, the Kane campaign, 100% was attacking the character and the behavior of Senator Menendez, the Democratic sitting senator. Right. And he, he, that was all there was. And this were some, well, I won't get into the details. People will remember some of these allegations that were made. I know he was sort of uh, feathering his own nest with some of the fruits of holding an office. But this was the whole campaign, and it turned out that uh, that the attacker, Kane, lost by a good margin. And all Menendez had to do was sit tight, being the Democrat, and promise some goodies. Right. You know, if he's reelected. So I, but I think looking back and thinking about that, if you go back almost every campaign we can think of at practically any level, I don't know of a big case where attack ads actually accomplish something and the nasty, the dirty stuff. Uh, when the candidate that it was aimed at was simply sitting back like, you know, Reagan, like smiling and saying, it's a great country. Everything's fine. We're going to have a morning in America. And I think Trump's very smart to apply to that. That indeed is what's going to happen. Yeah, I was just looking up uh, Tom Kane Jr. He's uh, running for Congress. He's uh, running for Congress. He's coming, he's coming down. <laughs> yeah. But he's, uh, I, I think oh. he's running against Malinowski, 7th District, I think it is. Uh, and I could be wrong, but that, that looks like that's the way it's going with that. Well, that's not my district. Yeah. Have they, this is how much I've tried to hide myself from all this stuff. The mail-in ballots. Are they coming out of the mail-in, or have they come out? I didn't get one. I, I haven't gotten one yet. I think they're okay. going to be mailed over the next couple of weeks. i got to check it out. By the way, if anyone's interested in more voting information, nj1015.com has got all of the information, and all of your questions will be answered there. And I'm going to spend a little time there myself so I can get a little bit more educated. on it. But it's, a, it's very, very 
you know, confusing. But yeah, the ballots are supposed to be mailed, I guess, within the next couple of weeks because heck, they've got to be postmarked by election day. Yeah, I would think. Now, I, I'm I'm also thinking of doing the if if I can't vote in person at the uh, at the machine, I'm really thinking of going with the absentee ballot. I think that's going to be my best bet, and I really got to find out about that like too sweet, so I get enough time well, on that. I think you that, have to leave town for a while. Yeah. No, I, I don't think you have to. I think it's more of a secure ballot, and I got to look into it if it's an anonymous ballot, or you know, you, 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 all your information doesn't get out there, and they know, you know, who you vote for. And I'm amazed that you could cast an absentee ballot in your own district when you're living there. Yeah, I'd and everybody knows you live there. But hey, uh, an interesting thing I run across: uh, the Seventeenth Amendment, which I've never read, yeah, but I, I, it's part of this story. Uh, they are. There has been a bill introduced either in the Congress or is about to be introduced by a few uh, congressmen members to repeal the 17th Amendment. The 17th Amendment, as I understand it, and I didn't know this, up until 1913, United States senators were appointed by the local legislature. The oh. 17th Amendment made it a public vote, which is all we've ever known. And so they want to repeal that and go back to the former method that United States senators are appointed by the state legislatures. And yep. part of that is, 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 a, is an attempt to just break up this club right. activity here, uh, this constant gridlock because everybody's locked into a political position or an economic position because the Senate apparently is, is like being key, given keys to the treasury. And uh, through to elected officials at almost every level, the public treasury, they look upon not as something that's there for the common wheel, the common good to run the country, but something to keep them in office <laughs> and to, and to <laughs> give, give them a good living in the meantime, you know, while they're doing it, or to perpetuate the job. The old thing of political careerism. Another, yeah, another alternative to uh, appealing the 17th Amendment, how about instituting term limits? for national office. They've got it in there. I think I mentioned it a while ago. They have it in there for the president. Why not for the Senate? Why not for the Congress? I think you'll never get that because the, because the people who, <laughs> you see, the people who make these laws are the people who profit by the laws that they made in yeah, the first place. They, uh, the Sherry Sylvester law, this great investigative reporter, she doesn't, I think she left New Jersey <laughs> shaking her head in dismay. But she proclaimed that there is little legislation in New Jersey that does not create a financial opportunity for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not going. In, they're they're going out uh, with more money than they came in with. Of course, this this I got something. This so many ridiculous things going on. It is just one after the other. The newest one, I think this was at the University of Michigan, one of the great universities, if not some Midwestern university. They banned the use of the term no problem which means like oh i did hear that yeah oh, did you think about that yeah they have banned it you get yourself in trouble on the campus you have to go before some kind of committee and get discipline if somebody does something uh, or, or thanks you and you say no problem <laughs> why well as best i can figure out and from what they said which makes no sense to say no problem indicates the possibility that what the person had asked you could have been a, a problem. Mm. Um, so 
Well, anyway, go figure. Yeah. But, but this is just one. You know these things going on. God knows where it, uh, as we had mentioned before, the great definition of political correctness. And if you stop and think about this, it's pretty icky. But nevertheless, political correctness is the theory, the doctrine, that you can pick up a piece of, say, doggy do, as long as you pick it up by the clean end. Mm. Now, obviously, there is no clean end, but you have to believe that this is true. Now, I, I just one thing I wanted to do here, because this is kind of current, I, I, and I have a, a prop. This is a bottle of what is uh, billed as iced tea. Yeah. Now, you see these in the supermarket, you know, shelves and shelves. I picked this up from somebody who had been to an, an event, a little outdoor event, and this were what they had to drink. Now, you say, what's wrong with America? Now, here's a starting point. I'm going to read the ingredients. First of all, now this is says iced tea. It says lemon iced tea. Here's the ingredients in list uh, in order. Number one, water, of course. Next, high fructose corn, uh, fructose corn syrup. Oh, everything's got that in it. Everything. Well, but that seems to me one of the worst possible things you can put into a human body. Uh, and then it goes to uh, sodium phosphates. To protect flavor. And then I'm looking, say, what happened to the tea? Oh, here we go, tea powder. <laughs> and then we go to potassium sorbate. Uh, we go to color, artificial color, caramel color, acylfame or something, potassium, sucralose, which is more sugar. <laughs> right. This Got thing is 49, 49% sugar. <laughs> and it, it goes on. Red dye number 40. Well, this will kill you. It all makes it taste better, though. Nobody wants the real. What's happening is now, now people are not going to drop dead right now from an overdose of this. But as time goes by, we all know that the country is in epidemics of all manner of diseases and afflictions. And in my view, what I'm getting to, I think it's the diet that is doing it. And it's affecting our brains, our thinking, our capacity for for thinking, uh, yeah. for, for critical thought. and so. And we know that from drugs, I saw a story that uh, said, uh, well, this is from the Center for Disease Control. They estimate 40, let's see, what is it? Uh, 41 million addicts, drug addicts in this country. No, I'm sorry, 21 million, 21 million drug addicts. Now you pump it up because people are addicted to other things. The uh, technological uh, gadgetry, people become, and it's becoming a serious and recognized uh, disease. Is the addiction to to the uh, the video games, the Facebook, and this business, uh, your device, and so here you total that up, you got about forty million people who are already having a problem, a big one. Yeah, and and also the anger is another thing to consider. This virulent response that's coming from a great part of the population to the left against the president, against anything that is to the right of. Che Guevara, I guess. And the, uh, it, it, what, what is this outburst? What is causing this? And it's terrible. I mean, people are, are committing crimes. As you know, the murder rate is up all over the place. Amazing in these cities. The, uh, the destruction, the rioting and everything that is going on. Something to consider. It's well known that people who have taken steroids for one reason or another, there is called roid rage. 
Oh, You've heard of Roy Braves. Yeah, I don't know but much. He's just one substance like that that sends people into a frenzy of rage and anger. Now, suppose you've got dozens of them out there. Some of them are not going to be suppressed. They're not going to get rid of high fructose corn syrup because the industry that makes it contributes a pile of money to political campaigns. Of course. You go into a market. Now, again, I came up with Gerhardt's rule for shopping. When you go into your market, stay out of the center, the aisles in the center, you know, this big block of aisles. Don't go in there. Anything that's going to be good for you is on the outside around the walls. Think about that. Yeah. Think about it. What do you see? I remember that one. Yeah, you told me that a while ago. Yeah, I remember that. To a plenary indulgence for people who go down the baking aisle to get uh, uh, oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> but stay out of the other stuff. Hey, uh, yeah. At my, at my shop, right, right down the same aisle from the baking stuff is all the Halloween candy. Which I just wanted to bring to your attention that uh, what's going to happen with Halloween this year? Uh, apparently, uh, a couple of states, I think California, has said no trick or treating. But here in New Jersey, it's still on. Uh, governor says we're still going to do it. But as uh, as of now, that could change. Lambertville, for one town, is recommending no door to door trick or treating. So that's going to be very interesting on how that's going to play out. So my suggestion before you buy before you buy that candy, let's just yeah. wait a couple of more weeks before you get that, you know, five pound yeah. bag chocolate. I don't. I don't think I would fight that right now. I I uh, I would uh, certainly not argue or fight very strenuously against such a ruling. Oh, I got to do one thing if I can do it quickly. Here. Sure. We all know all the negatives of the COVID epidemic what it's caused to us individually as people the economy the illness and everything i came across today a positive and i gotta throw this out i went this morning to get routine blood work done as part of a yearly physical now i've hated to do that because of the sitting around the waiting in line the whole business the the uh, the bureaucracy involved in it that's it and just i i was it always found it kind of unpleasant not not once I got in, when they, they got down with the phlebotomist taking the blood, I was fine. But up to that point. Uh, but this was beautiful. And it's because of the virus. I went to a, a lab corp. Could have been, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to do a commercial for them. I had made an appointment online. I got a uh, well, a barcode kind of a thing to, on, my, uh, on the email confirmation. I went in. And I was in and out in no time flat. I stood there kind of dizzy because I never had that happen before. But I go in. They had two people sitting there. They'd spaced this out with appointments. Everybody had masks on. The chairs were blocked off so you could not sit closer than six feet to anybody. Walk in, scan my thing. They hand me the jar to go piddle in. Go fill it. Come back, sit down for 30 seconds. They call my name. I go in and get it done and out of there. And I think, what a difference. This is almost like going through the motor vehicle agency and, and coming out with a smile on your face. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't I, happen. Yeah. But anyway, I just want to say a, a kind of an upturn. Listen, enjoyed it. I think we're about at the uh, time for the, the crook to come out and the gong to go off. So yep. uh, thanks to uh, Dan Alexander, David Mathau for helping us uh, do some prep this week and Lou Hockman, our director. And 
obviously. We're here every week here on Facebook Live, and uh, you can get our podcast anytime you want on any of the platforms and at nj1015.com. Okay, everybody. God bless you. This too will pass. Yo. <laughs>